The Insurance Coffee House is hosted by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies, brokers, and insurtechs in the UK and across the United States, attracting and retaining the most successful leaders to your insurance business. To find out more, visit insurance-search.com. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and be inspired by the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House podcast. Today, I'm really delighted to be joined by Stacey Hohen. Stacey is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Guardian. Now, Guardian are a national insurance mutual specializing in the life insurance space and it's a real pleasure to have Stacy join us on the show today. Welcome to the show Stacy. Thank you Nick it's a pleasure to be here. Stacy it's a real pleasure to have you join us we're really looking forward to hearing about some of those great initiatives that you've got going there at Guardian. Before we move into that though and as we are in the insurance coffee house today it's the afternoon here in the UK I think it's sort of lunchtime over there on the east coast of america what's your go-to coffee of choice today yeah so great question to start with but as you are in the uk you may appreciate that i'm not a coffee drinker i am a tea drinker and my tea of choice is earl gray Earl gray that's quintessentially british and i really like it when it comes with a whole pot of of tea yeah nice pot of tea it keeps you going for hours or so fantastic stacy love to just give our listeners a little bit of background, a little bit of perspective ahead of some of our conversation today. Would you mind sharing a little more about your personal career background and sort of the steps that led you into your role there as the chief HR officer at Guardian? Sure, happy to. So I actually started out as a lawyer. So graduated from law school from Georgetown University and started as a lawyer for GE. And I spent about 15 years or so as a lawyer across different GE businesses, starting half of that time really doing kind of mergers and acquisitions in business law before I moved to labor and employment law. And the division I was working for had acquired a number of businesses that had a number of employees and we didn't have a labor lawyer. And so I kind of raised my hand and said, you know what, I really want to do employment law. I remember the general counsel at the time saying to me, but you don't know how to do that. And I said, well, that's true, but I will find a great mentor and I'm smart and I have graduated from law school and I can figure this out. And I promise you, I won't let you down. They said, okay. And I made the switch to labor and employment. And that was a big turning point for me in terms of my career, because it gave me this lens into all things, talent and people and culture. And of course, starting on the legal side, trying to kind of figure out what what issues were being presented, how to solve those issues. And then at one point, you know, I was asked to move into an HR job and I said no a couple of times. And then I was offered a pretty compelling HR role. And I thought, you know what, I'll go do this. And if I don't like it, I can always go back to legal. And honestly, I made the switch to HR and I've never looked back. I just, I love it and have been fortunate at my time at GE to be able to take some successive, more responsibility kind of in roles, including some standalone P&L kind of roles, some corporate roles. And my last role at GE was actually at GE Capital, and we were going through a very significant transition, really selling off most of our portfolio of assets and either having colleagues go with the sale or unfortunately severing 
a number of them. And so the company became smaller and smaller and smaller. And it sort of became clear that it was time for me to go do something different. And I had gotten a call from a recruiter about this job at Guardian Life. And at the time, I had become a certified coach. And I sort of thought that was going to be my path. And I wasn't sure I wanted to go work in the insurance industry. And he said, well, just go meet the CEO. I really think you're going to find it a little different than you think. And so I met the CEO and then the CFO and the COO and the you know general counsel, et cetera. And I really was like hook, line, and sinker. I love the idea of working for a company that is 160 years old and has a great legacy in the insurance space. And it's also really focused on the future and evolving to become a really contemporary insurance company. So that's a little bit about my career. I'm a Midwesterner. I've lived on the East Coast and the West Coast, lived in Ireland for a year. At my core, I'm a Midwesterner, married, three kids, two dogs. Very good. Thank you, Stacey. Sounds like it's quite a smooth process and a smooth journey, albeit one you started out, you know, maybe when you're in law school, you may not have seen yourself as a CHRO for a large insurance company. So it's interesting those steps that you've taken along the way. What would you say has been the biggest step change for you? Is it making that move from M&A corporate law into employment or was it that employment law into the HR position? There were two, probably three big changes. So the first big change, and this is a little bit about my career and also personal, was when I had my first child, because then I had to figure out like, how is it going to work and be a mom at the same time? That was a big shift. The other big shift was really moving from the M&A to the labor and employment role. And at the time, the message I kind of got back was, okay, if you want to do this, you could do this, but you have to take a step down in level. For me, it was about taking a risk and being confident in my capability. And so I said, okay, fine, I'll take a step down. I will no longer be bonus eligible, but I know that I will get back there and I'm passionate about this work. So I really want to follow my passion. And then probably the third really pivot point was this job I'm in now. I was in a HR leadership role at GE Capital, but we still had a corporate over that. Here, I'm the head of HR for the entire company. And so, you know, that is a big difference, I think. Absolutely. And I think actually sometimes the things that we do encourage the executives we work with or the leaders that we work with, that sometimes in order to get where you want to go and what you want to do, to get that ideal position, you know, sometimes that does take a little bit of sacrifice, sometimes a short-term sacrifice yeah. for that longer-term gain. And that's fantastic to see. A hundred percent. And I think if you're asking your company to take a chance on you, you have to be willing to take a chance on yourself also, whatever that might mean. That's so true. It's so important. And then moving on to your role now, they're leading HR across the business. What's the scope of the role and the responsibilities there? So as I said, Guardian is 160 years old. We have about 8,000 colleagues across the U.S. and in India, around 2,000 or so in India. And it's really kind of talent management for the entire life cycle of the colleague experience from before we hire someone, identifying candidates, et cetera, through you know exits, retirements, et cetera. But then beyond talent, it's also culture. It's also making sure we have an inclusive and a consumer-centric culture and that we are doing the things that we need to do to enable our colleagues to come to work every day, to live their best lives, and to fulfill the purpose of the organization, which for Guardian, our purpose is to inspire well-being. And so that's kind of how I see my role in addition to being a really true strategic business partner to our CEO and our leadership team. Obviously, a very long established business, you know, very entrenched in the life insurance market right across the US. 
would you mind sharing a little snapshot of where the business is in its current day and maybe some of those plans for growth that you have? We are very proud of the legacy of Guardian and where we've come from. And as I said before, we're also really excited to evolve into a really more contemporary, consumer-focused, compassionate, purpose-driven company. So a couple of years ago, we took a step back to really take a look at our purpose and to reframe it. And we looked externally and we looked internally and we pulled a team together to really start to kind of hone in on that. And we landed on this purpose of inspiring well-being because what it does is that it enables us to open up our aperture and to think more broadly about what we do and how we serve our consumers. So traditionally, we have been a life disability and dental insurance company. And Opening up that aperture has allowed us to think differently about the kinds of products and services we provide. So, for example, you know, during the pandemic, it became really clear that mental health was a huge challenge across not just the United States, but across the world. And the way we were supporting our consumers and our colleagues, frankly, from a mental health capacity wasn't good enough. And we partnered with a company called Spring Health to provide really enhanced mental health services to members, consumers, and then we also provide to our colleagues and people who live in their home to really help them through some of these difficult times. That's the kind of thing that if we were narrowly focused on life insurance, we probably wouldn't think about something like Spring Health. But opening up our purpose to inspire well-being allows us to think about what are all the other ways that we can help consumers and then by extension colleagues rather than that sort of traditional just setting a life insurance policy it's really taking a holistic approach to well-being a hundred percent you know as i said our purpose really becomes our north star but our framework we call mind body wallet so we want to help serve our consumers and our colleagues from a mind perspective so mental health from a physical perspective so that might be you know disability or dental insurance or something else and from a wallet perspective which might be your traditional insurance or financial planning etc you touched upon the proud legacy of the business and the compassionate nature of the organization i know that's something that you want to discuss in more detail particularly around compassionate leadership what does that mean to you? What does that mean to Guardian as a yeah. business? Why is that important to you? I always start with sort of the big picture, and this really folds into what is our culture. And so when we think at our purpose to inspire well-being, and then we think about our business strategy to wow the consumer, to leverage mutuality, to unleash what's possible, and then we come to our values. How will our values support our culture to enable us to achieve the things we want to achieve in line with our strategy and our purpose. And then we've defined our values and then we come down to leadership behaviors. And that's what we're really talking about here about compassionate leadership. So we spent some time really figuring out what makes a guardian leader. What would make you successful as a leader at guardian? We actually call these success factors. And one of them is to be able to connect both internally and externally with empathy and compassion. And that is foundational to Guardian. So when I think about compassion, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the past few years about the importance of empathy as a leadership trait. And I think empathy is really important. Empathy is all around listening and making sure that you're listening to understand, not listening to make a comment, right? But empathy by itself without compassion is not as impactful. Compassion is really about 
listening and then doing something about it. If I think about an example, I think about someone on my team who, let's say, has a sick parent, and I can listen to them with empathy or sympathy, and I can understand that they're going through a tough time. If I'm a compassionate leader, I'm also finding ways to provide them the flexibility that they need to go be where they need to be when they need to be there. So it might mean taking some time off. It might mean flexibility to work remotely for some period of time. But it is that compassionate leader who actually does something about the situation. And that's what we're really trying to focus on. I think that's very worthy. And I think that's something that we should all aspire to as leaders. How do you go about encouraging that? How have you gone about as a business encouraging your leaders to work with compassion? You know, when you think about people leaders and you think about helping them be stronger leaders, sometimes there's a push and sometimes there's a pull. And I think that in this case, the pull came first. So what happened for all of us, but in the insurance industry, but in every industry is we went through this pandemic which nobody could have predicted, which changed entirely the way we were. And it changed how we think about health and the importance of health and how we're all kind of in this together. And then the other thing that happened at the same time was we have this whole new cohort of colleagues coming into the workplace, millennials and Gen Z. These two things kind of coming together at the same time created a situation where the employer wasn't in the driver's seat anymore. The employee is telling us what they need. And so we work with our people leaders to make sure they're listening to their employees. That's probably the first part of it. The second piece of it is how do we then coach and train our leaders to be compassionate leaders? And a lot of it comes down to how we treat them and the culture we create within Guardian. And then it comes down to individual people leaders and making sure that they understand how important it is to be a compassionate leader and providing them the tools and the resources and frankly, the empowerment to be a compassionate leader, to do what's right at any given point in time. So if you had to integrate additional flexibility into, you know, across the board from a people perspective so that those leaders do have that flexibility and their hands mm-hmm. aren't tied behind their backs, that they're actually empowered to be able to do what's right for their team members and to be able to give that flexibility and to show that compassion. I think there's a couple different ways. So first of all, our workforce strategy is a hybrid strategy. Obviously, in some places, you have critical onsite workers that simply have to be there all the time. But by and large, the majority of our workforce is in a hybrid working situation. And so we expect people to come to the office two or three days a week. And we also understand, and we think that's important, right, for collaboration, for leadership development, for training, for all the things that happen sort of in between the offices, right? But we also understand how important it is for our colleagues to have time to really focus on their own well-being by maybe not commuting into the office every single day, for example. So we've provided that kind of hybrid situation. The other thing that we have done is from a benefits perspective, we have for those colleagues who are coming to the office two or three days a week, we have 30 days work from anywhere. So once a year, you can take 30 days. You have to work in the US because we can't figure out the tax situation otherwise. <laughs> but <laughs> if you want to go work in North Carolina because you want to spend time with your parents, you can do that. You just have to tell us when you're doing that so we can you know, make the changes in the system we need to make. So that has been really, I think, impactful for us. We have 
for any of our exempt colleagues, we have unlimited time off. So you need time off for vacation, for take a mental health day, whatever you need, you make that decision. You're empowered to make that decision. Obviously you have to make sure your manager, you're not dropping things, right? And your people leader understands what you're doing. So we have that. We have from a benefits perspective, we do have spring health for our colleagues. We have another benefit that's called empathy. And I don't know if you've had this situation, but if you have a loved one pass away, you are grieving emotionally for that person. At the same time, there is a whole host of logistical things that have to be done from wills and trusts and probate to funeral arrangements to bill paying to everything else. And this company, Empathy, will take those logistical details off of your plate and help you sort through that so that you can really kind of be where you need to be. And that is a benefit that saves everybody time. And it allows our colleagues to not worry about that and, and frankly, to get back to their everyday living more quickly. So those are, I would say, a couple of the things that we've been doing. And then, of course, in addition, sort of building all the foundational building blocks for leadership development into all of our, our leadership learning classes. I love that, Stacey. I think actually, I think the 30 days working from anywhere, I think that is a fantastic benefit. And I'm sure a lot of your colleagues really welcome that, enjoy that. I think that's great. Interesting what you say then about that empathy benefit, because it actually sounds like a, I know that's the name of it, but it actually sounds very compassionate, isn't it? It's actually yeah, being there for your colleagues is. in their time of need, you know, taking exactly. that strain when they need it the most. That is a great example of compassionate leadership. You guys really walk in the walk as well as talking the talk there. I think, you know, when think about you had mentioned sort of it's a much more holistic way of looking at the colleague experience. And, you know, forever, we've been talking about this notion of work-life balance. And I don't really love that term because it implies there's two things, there's work and life, and somehow you have to figure out how to make them equal. And I don't think that's really what it is. I think work is part of life, like family is part of life, like friends are part of life, like your spirituality, like your community. It's all part of learning. It's all part of life. It's this ecosystem. And you have to figure out where your priorities are at a particular point in time. And for a compassionate leader, it's sort of understanding that we all live and work in this ecosystem that has a whole lot of different components to it. And it's really understanding where people are prioritizing their time. We do that so that people can come to work and give us their best, be their best, and feel good about the work that they're doing. Yeah, whilst at the same time not being siloed from their what we would describe as their personal life. You just don't switch off, do you, completely? You don't become some sort of robot when you get into the office or into the workplace. Things are still happening. And although it might not be that number one priority right there, it's still going on in the background. So that holistic approach. Stacey, thank you for that. I think that's really interesting. Brings us nicely onto our espresso round now where the questions are short, sharp and to the point. Now you normally like your tea there, your Earl Grey, but are you ready for the espresso round? I am ready for the espresso round. Bring it on. The espresso round. Stacey, what one recommendation would you have for a leader, for an executive coming in to interview with you there at Guardian? I would say, tell me a story. Don't just repeat what's on your CV or your resume. I'm interested in knowing what experiences you've had, but tell me how you've made an impact. Tell me what you've delivered. Tell me a story. So if you're telling me that you led X number of people, tell me something that you learned from that or tell me something you did with those people. So important to make it real, 
to really bring examples and it's not just a case of examples it's actually things that you've done in the past and how that can have an impact on this particular opportunity or this exactly role. it sort of brings your resume to life exactly and we should all be able to do that we should be able to talk about things that we've done in the past and what we're looking to do in the future and how we can take those experiences to better the future for ourselves if we can't do that i think we're not in a good place Switching things around slightly, so for your colleagues, for your peers within the insurance industry, you know, senior HR executives like yourself, what would be your piece of advice for someone who is really looking for that best practice to be able to hire top quality leaders to their organization? Yeah. So maybe two things. First of all, I think the insurance industry is relatively small. And so you have to work hard to make sure that the interview panel, the people doing the interviewing bring diversity of experience, diversity of thought, diversity of gender, race, et cetera. You don't want to have a panel that brings all the same thinking because you're not going to then bring in the very best talent, I think. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing is I would say focus on skills versus experiences. So the ability of someone to learn influencing skills, for example, can happen in a multitude of different environments and industries. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to have come from an insurance company. So it depends on what you're looking for, but I would say think about the skills. It reflects really well, actually, with what you're talking about there about bringing your resume, bringing your CV to life. It's the skills, not just what you've done, but those skills that you've learned and mastered on the way. Daisy, final question of the espresso round. Would you say one lesson that your job's taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Find your passion and be open to your passion being in some place that's unexpected. I wasn't expecting to love to work in the insurance company, but I love my job. And so find your passion, but be open. And that can be in the work you do. It could be in the purpose you deliver. It could be with the colleagues you surround yourself with. You have to think about it in a multitude of different ways. And then I would also say, lift your head up from the day to day. Take a risk, raise your hand for something. It will be worth it. Thank you for that, Stacey. Obviously, in my role, obviously on the podcast, interviewing people, but also speaking to and interviewing our clients and our candidates, there's so many people that we speak to who would never have thought that they would be in insurance, that they'd be working yeah. in insurance, yeah. but they absolutely love it right. and they don't look back, right? What's the thing you enjoy most about insurance or what's been the best surprise about working in the insurance you may not have appreciated for? I think that I didn't really appreciate the enormous value that we provide to people in a time of need. You know, you think about insurance as a financial strategy, but you don't necessarily think about when people really need it the most, we are there for them. I think that's compelling. It really, really is. And I think especially when you see the fruits of that labor as well. So I think we encourage our underwriters who are writing the policy to then sometimes go out with the claims team, go out, meet the end policyholders, meet those customers, yeah. see the impact that it actually has on these people. Stacey, time has certainly flown by today. We're almost at the end of our time together. Really enjoyed the conversation. What would be the one piece of closing advice for our listeners and if there's anyone listening today who is interested in opportunities at Guardian or likes what they've heard today and like to find out more, where's the best place for them to go? Best place for them to go is to our website and you'll find Guardian Careers there. And we would love to have you consider coming to work for Guardian. We always have some interesting roles available. I think in terms of this job or prior jobs have taught me, I think that everybody should learn at some point is that it's okay to fail and pivot and try again. 
So again, it's sort of that theme of take a risk. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay, because something else is going to work out and it may pay off better in the end. So don't just stay with the safe side. Don't pigeon yourself into a role too early on in your career. I think, you know, there's such huge opportunities out there that if you're working in one very small sector or one small marketplace, and it's not maybe going quite as you planned or as expected, you know, there is a world of possibilities and opportunities out there that are waiting for someone with the right skill set. Thank you, Stacey. It's really inspiring, actually. Thank you so much for joining us in the Insurance Coffee House today. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I think we've learned a lot about Guardian compared to, you know, a lot of very traditional insurance companies. I think there's a real compelling reason, not only for your customers to partner with Guardian, but also employees and colleagues as well. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest off the back of this and we'll happily share those website details on the show notes so people can click straight through. Great. Thanks, Nick. It's been my pleasure to be here and I look forward to hearing from more of your listeners. Thank you for listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time for another episode packed with insights and advice for senior leaders, C-suite executives, and ambitious insurance professionals. Stream all episodes at insurance-search.com.